Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. People don't necessarily have to support the idea that you've come up with, but if you can get them to talk about why they don't like the idea, um, you can identify so many things that you can do. So, for example, when I spoke to the cafes about why they wouldn't take my beaten up, um, you know, old plastic container, I learnt that they had those regulations that their requirements were to ensure that they were putting their food into something clean. What they're actually saying is they can't accept this, but what they could accept is something that looks a little bit different or operates a bit differently. So, you know, talking to people and making sure you're really listening and you're hearing their real issues, not not just that they maybe don't support it or that they don't like it or even that they do like it. Um, listen to the underlying things that people are saying because that, that's often where the gold is. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week to date. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with Jonathan Callanan of Online Business Accelerator and with author, speaker and leadership mentor Eric Rogel, then do check them out. Don't forget, but listen in to today's conversation first because today I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Veronica Shannon. Veronica is a lawyer, an entrepreneur, a published author, and a sustainability leader. She founded Retub, the company that produces the premium reusable takeaway food container that has a built-in container exchange program. And she also has founded other businesses that have purpose and innovation at their heart. In our discussion today, Veronica talked to me about what drove her to start Retub and how she tested and refined the idea. How she engaged all stakeholders, not just customers, in the development of the Retub product. And we talked about the importance of feedback and being open to and learning from that feedback. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Veronica Shannon. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from relatively close by compared to our last guest who was way over in the US. From Melbourne, Australia, Veronica Shannon, who's the founder and CEO of Retub. Retub is an interesting company that uses that produces reusable takeaway containers for people to buy food in. 
So welcome to the InnovaVice podcast, Veronica. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you. I'm privileged to be here. Sonia Zebeck, who was our guest on episode 344 of the Innova Buzz podcast, Sonia from Papillon, she introduced us and suggested that we have a conversation with you. So a big hello to Sonia. Yes, that's Sonia. <laughs> yeah, she's doing incredible things with Papillon. Yes, well. she is. And I'm excited. I'm having um, a coffee with her next week, actually. So excited to catch up oh, on where okay. she's at. Now, before we start talking about all things retail and finding out a little bit more about that business, what is it that drives you, Veronica, and, and how does that shape what you're doing today? Uh, well, I guess I'm driven by having a bit of purpose. I guess legacy is um, my biggest driver. I want to do something um, bigger than just just live on this planet. I want to leave something behind and feel like I've contributed to society. And I think that that's um, a major driver in what helped me to create Retub. Um, yeah, I think it's a driver for a lot of things in my life outside of business as well. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I was having a conversation on the last episode um, and it should be the last one to publish today and we were talking about legacy in regards to the whole leadership journey and it, it's interesting isn't it that we're all kind of reflecting on that now you know how do we leave this place better than when we came in and, and what can we do to actually yeah. make a contribution so tell us a little bit then what what exactly is retub um what, what is the benefit to society that you see it providing uh, so, as you said, uh, Retub is a reusable takeaway food container and it's got a container exchange program that's built into the design. And um, the idea is that um, part of the legacy, I guess, is that I want to be um, really drastically reducing waste in a really easy and practical way. Um, but the container exchange concept um, has always been part of the design because I, um, I I wanted it to be something that was easy and hygienic for consumers as well as the cafes that will have to buy into into this. And cafes generally, um, they want to reduce waste. They don't know how. So if we can have them um, having their customers come in and show them an option that they love, um, and the cafes want to embrace it just makes life much easier um, it means that we get um, momentum building with this waste reduction initiative mm. all right uh, the the container exchange program I'm curious about that model so how does that work is that so my understanding yeah. is that you buy your own unique retub container and and there's a shell inside that which is the exchange part yeah, that's right. So the yeah, exactly that. Um, there's a glass in a container. So one thing we're we're also very mindful of the materials that we use. We make things that um, can be reused for a really long time. So there's a glass borosilicate um, glass in a container, um, and that's got a silicon lid. And then there's a, an outer um, case that um, provides thermoprotective qualities. Um, that the base can come in different colours and so can the lid and so can the vent. So everything can be sort of personalised um, and customised for, for consumers to fall in love with their product. Um, 
and, and that's important because pride in the product means that people want to use it more and that's you know obviously essential when we want people to reuse um but the as you said the container exchange program is focused on um swapping out the inner container which is identical so that's the bit that doesn't change color it's um it's always a, a glass um inner container uh, it's either medium or large at this at the moment um, and the cafes can have those extra um, inner containers on hand they make sure sure that they're always clean and when a customer comes in um, let's say I got Bircher muesli for, for breakfast and um, I want a salad for lunch but I forgot to rinse it in between um, I can go to a participating cafe and instead of taking up their time by forcing them to wash my um, my unclean um, in a container, they can just swap it and give me a clean one and immediately put their salad into something that they know is um, really clean as well. And then they can take my inner container and wash it when it suits them, not in their um, busiest lunch hours as well. Um, that said, that's that's the, the traditional model of um, reswap, the, the container exchange program. Um, but we actually work with cafes to make the container exchange program work best for them so there are that's the traditional model but we've also got a deposit model where they can actually work with customers who want to um, effectively rent out their um, a retub um, while they have lunch and then bring it back at a, at a later stage that day or the next day um, so we work with them on um, on options that they can use for that um, and we also have a full reswap. So in some um, businesses, for example, where they've only bought one colour combination um, and all staff have, um, let's say, a blue retub, they can they can arrange for their um, internal cafes in the cafeterias to swap a, a, a retub for a retub, and no one no one misses out because they always look identical. Um, and that's another system that um, we help cafes to set up if they think that that will work best. Um, and the idea is we we want to help the cafes use the best system for their particular cafe and for their customers. And so there's there's flexibility in our design. Mm. Yeah, what I what I like about the whole model is you you've said hey there's there's a user but there's also the provider of the food essentially yeah. as as a key partner in this thing so it, it's got to have everybody bought in to make it work so how mm -hmm. uh, how did you well how did you come on to the idea first of all of retub that that's the first question i guess yeah yeah uh, well that that was um i used to work in a really busy job and i'd do really long hours and i was often eating my breakfast, lunch and dinner in the office, um, which is a bit of a sad story for me. Um, but uh, one thing I noticed was that I was personally um, filling up my my rubbish bin that sat under my desk and I was filling it up every single day and it was predominantly with um, single-use food containers. And I at, at first I thought that was just me um, and that it was because I was you know, working long hours and then this one night in particular, I did a walk around the office after most people had left and I noticed that everyone's rubbish bins under their desks were full and it was 
the same culprits. It was always the, you know, the sushi um, single-use container shell um, or a, a paper bag that someone had um, bought, um, you, you know, a sausage roll in or something like that. And it just occurred to me that what was really missing um, was a reusable takeaway food container. And at that time, I already was going um, out of my way to make sure I had my reusable cup um, with me at the office as well as one at home, um, had a reusable water bottle, had, um, you know, a shopping bag handy in case I needed impromptu shop. Um, and I, I sort of had quite a, a good um, or decent um, reuse repertoire and I was missing out um, on uh, reducing waste because this thing was missing in my life and, and that was what I you know what I created and uh, the retub so that that's how retub was born um, I just identified a problem realized that it wasn't um, a problem unique to me but that it was a problem that others clearly had as well um, and then went about trying to find the best solution which wasn't quite as easy as I'd hoped. I, I actually initially thought, oh, well, this is easy. I'll just bring in an old beaten up Tupperware container that I had at home and I would ask the cafes um, downstairs to just, you know, put my noodles or my sushi or whatever it was that I was buying into um, that beaten up uh, plastic container. And they flat out refused to. And that was that was an interesting and fantastic process because the problem was, you know, I had I had this container for um, a long time, and I, over the years I'd sort of, um, you know, used cutlery and put little dents in it, um, and had tomato-based sauces, and they discoloured it. And the feedback from the cafes was that even though I knew it was clean, um, they couldn't tell that it was clean because you know over the years of use um and having you know, curries and tomato based sauces in this plastic container it had discolored over time and had dents and just looked a little bit old and stained and um and and their concern was that they had obligations to make sure that they were using a clean container for the food that they put for for the container that they put their food in and so that really guided me um to glass as a, a really good option um, so that the cafes could, on a visual check, um, make sure that they were using something that was clean. And also as a consumer, um, I, I actually much prefer eating out of um, glass than I do plastic as well. So um, all these things sort of started to influence it. And I think that's a major part of, um, of innovation is to identify um, whose problem it is um, and, you know, I identified that it wasn't just the problem for the consumer, it was also a problem for the cafe. And then think about how to um, provide a solution that benefits all of those um, stakeholders, if you will. And then, you know, when you come up with some ideas to test, test and test it again and just keep going and asking um, all the different people who you identify as um, the stakeholders I'd ask them for feedback and ask them for their thoughts. And at the time, absolutely no one, no one was doing um, reusable takeaway food containers. And um, it was a really interesting process because, as I said, there was pushback um, from cafes um, 
that you know cafes were were concerned about hygiene so that that influenced why I wanted a container exchange program built in that influenced the choice of materials yeah so yeah I, I think I think um just reaching out to a lot of people can really help to um work out what the solution needs to be it's mm, fascinating so you you talked to a lot of cafes then in in the early days when you were yeah wanting to start start using that container that you already had yeah and i i guess in the really early days i wasn't looking to create um a business i was actually looking to solve my own problem um mm. i i realized that i wasn't alone in having the problem pretty early on um but uh, yeah initially it was it was as um, organic and as authentic as just realizing that I really wanted to not have as much rubbish in my bin um, and that the big culprit was um, takeaway food containers. And, um, you know, and then I sort went about just trying to find a solution that worked for me, but also for the cafes that I had to rely on. Um, if they, if they didn't want to use my container, they just, they wouldn't. So, you know, it became something that, solving the issue for me and for them um yeah hmm. all right and how did you go about then building kind of that initial cohort of first of all cafes but then also um people that that bought the food um, who would um form the core of of the retub community that that essentially got the product off the ground yeah um so we we don't actually um we don't tend to contact the cafes ourselves. We make that a consumer-driven um, process. So um, we we get the consumers who love the look of the product. Often it is just that they like the look of it. They think it looks great. Um, and sometimes sometimes um, our consumers are not particularly um, driven by the waste reduction initiative sometimes they absolutely are um but sometimes it's just that they love this product so we get people on board um i, I was working in the corporate world um so i had a lot of corporate contact contacts and um businesses that wanted to buy these for their staff for staff onboarding um gifts or um for just marketing gifts because they can they can um co-brand and have people walking out to cafes within the CBD, you know, with with their company brand, sort of advertising the company and showing off their sustainability credentials. So that's how we um, initially got started. It was a lot of corporate and council support, big businesses helping to get them to quite a number um, of consumers. And then the consumers, as I said, um, they drove the cafes to get involved. So they would then have them and they would go to their local cafe, um, whether it was at home or um, the office, and they'd start asking their local cafe if they would accept it. And so um, our website map has um, some cafes. So, for example, the cafes that I first um, went and spoke to, they were on the to Grave Street in Melbourne and a lot of those cafes are so small that they don't have kitchens so some of those came on as just retub acceptors um, and then some of them um, if they had kitchens and they could wash up they wanted to be part of the container exchange program but not all of them necessarily are um, so some of the cafes we work with you know do accept 
uh, reswap and some of them don't. Um, but it's generally driven by their customers because cafes do want to reduce waste. Most cafes really recognise um, that that they are contributing a lot to um, you know, of waste um, by the by their the nature of what they're doing, um, and they're really looking for ways to support uh, waste reduction. And if their consumers and their customers come in and basically tell them this is how I'm doing it and I want you to do this too, it really is a compelling argument um, and it's a great way to, to get the cafes um, to support us too. Mm. Yeah, I, I love the approach you've taken there and it's kind of um, basically identified the niche based on your own need and then created that niche around uh, the knowledge that other people have that need as well and that the cafes that provide the takeaway food in in the main probably are very concerned about the amount of waste that they're producing and contributing to so you know bringing them on board as well yeah yeah Um, i think i think it's becoming more um of an issue these days i think more and more cafes are aware of it and you know the the um reusable cup movement really got people and cafes mm. thinking about um, waste from that specific niche and then it's sort of just naturally expanded over time um, into other areas. But, yeah, in the main, um, cafes are, you know, they're really, they, they really are trying um, to be extremely responsible um, while running a business often with low margins and, you know, they, they, their business um can be very demanding. So I think in the main, they are doing really good things and really trying hard um, and and they're able to make such a massive difference in this space um, mm. waste as well. And I think there's a huge opportunity here. You talked about leaving a legacy earlier than to make a difference. I mean, I think back to when I was a child and going shopping with my mother when, when I was you know very young. Um, mm. Uh, we used to go to what was then called health food stores. And one of the attractions for that, for my mother, I mean, there were two key attractions really. One was that you brought your own container and basically you bought whatever it was. It might've been rice or it might've been noodles or sugar or, and, and you put it in your own container, you brought your own container. And so that it was, there was no packaging produced separately. And yeah, And, um, yeah, and the other attraction, of course, was you could buy any quantity. So you didn't have to buy, you know, a kilogram or half a kilogram or something. You bought what you needed. You just filled up your container or half filled it, whatever it was. Love it. So, so, but that's kind of died off, hasn't it, that whole thing? And one of the things that frustrates me, you go into the supermarket, not only are packaged goods using all these um, single-use packages there's also so there's the um there's the well i had some fish for lunch today so i have to put mm. it up so i contributed so the fish was <laughs> in tin it was tinned fish and then yeah. there was a cellophane wrap around the tin presumably because they didn't trust the tin itself or the the, the can itself to um, be sealed properly i don't know yeah. um and then <laughs> Outside of that was a cardboard box, which was there simply for the purpose of branding and having the yeah. uh, 
brand name on there and I thought, what what a lot of wasted stuff. I mean, it just needed one container. Absolutely. And it's, it's so funny because my, my mum will talk about um, when she used to get takeaway food as a kid, they would go to a local Chinese shop and bring their own pot pot or pan um, and that would be what got filled up and then they'd go home with that um and you know and your your example of the health food shop where you buy what you need um you know that these things it's actually kind of strange that we didn't that we moved away from those um options because they make so much sense even now you know where if you live in a city maybe you have a, a you know a small place and a small kitchen and you don't need a kilo of rice or you don't have the space to, to store a kilo mm. of rice but you know having two cups might be you know the sort of um, amount that you want to have in your pantry um and it, it, there are more and more of these bulk food shops and there are um, more and more places that are really trying to reduce packaging you know outside of the takeaway perspective but just more broadly looking at um shopping and looking at a whole range of things that can be done differently and um but yeah, the the point you make this a lot of these things were available to us, and somehow we got it in our heads that convenience um, could be so wasteful. Um, it, and it, it's a bizarre concept that um, we've all bought into it at some stage because you know this is how society has has gone, and now we've got to do a bit of um, I guess undoing a, a bit of our thinking mm. about what can actually looks like and how convenient things need to actually be when they are destroying the planet um mm. yeah so and that is a that's a design challenge and that's a point of um you know exciting innovation because having things where you you make it better than the status quo that's the ultimate that's the, that's the challenge um making it something that's easy and desirable um, something that people want to do. That's where we can, you know, start designing out all these um, wasteful aspects of packaging or um, whatever the case is. Yeah, and that's the exciting bit for, for someone who, who loves innovation and who loves business as well. Hmm. It's, um, yeah, times are calling for it. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing around that, and particularly in this arena, is that it's not necessary to have some sort of high-tech uh, new development that that we don't have available to us yet. Like you know, if you no. think back twenty years, we didn't have mobile phones or smartphones, and now we've got smartphones, so we can do all these cool things with smartphones that we couldn't do twenty years ago. It's really catch videos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really about it's really about um, thinking back to first principles and saying, well, actually, there there were times when we did stuff like this in a different era now now what what do we have today that's available to us where we could make what what we did then more convenient more convenient than the throwaway single use packaging absolutely i think that's so spot on that innovation doesn't have to be high tech and in some cases the more simple the better and um, often going back to just how things were done before, I, I sort of get a feel that maybe the 80s were a big change um, in society where things became very much convenience-based. Um, and having a look at how we were doing convenient things, you know, in really recent times, 
that yeah it can just be about going back to the basics and yeah I agree I think that that's um that's another exciting thing as well we don't need to wait for new technologies that we can't even imagine will exist we don't have to wait for that we can do something now and we can make it really great a great experience for everyone mm. yeah love it um with because the, you know you mentioned De Grave Street, and for those people that don't know, Melbourne De Grave Street is one of those streets where there's wall-to-wall restaurants, and it's a, it's pretty much a pedestrian zone, as I remember it. I haven't been there for mm. a couple of years, but yeah, pretty much a pedestrian zone. And when the sun's shining, and that it's and pre-COVID days, there would be people sitting on the sidewalks, having a great time, eating food, and of course, most of the cafes and restaurants do takeaway as well. So a lot of the office workers that work pretty hard like you would grab their food and take it back to the office. Um, of course, a lot of that dried up over COVID when, you know, the, the hardly any office workers were in the central city area because they were working from home and yeah. many of the restaurants shut down, although, you know, obviously they, they tried to focus on their takeaway business. How did that impact your business with retail? Well, because our, our business is mostly a business to business so we we usually work with them um, with companies and um and, and then get to their staff via either hr teams or their marketing teams um the what changed was the focus um, of our conversation so we didn't we didn't um pivot as much as some businesses where we we didn't change our business we were still selling the same product but we started to sell it in a different way. And our focus was not so much on um, takeaway food as much as it was on um, people utilising their retubs for meal preparation at home and um, looking at some of the features that we'd built in because we've got things like measurement lines. They've always been there, um, but it helps people to, to keep track of um, how much they're eating and a lot of people you know, put on the COVID kilos as they referred <laughs> to them. Um, and this was just, you know, a way to to make sure that people were aware of how much they were eating. Um, it, we then talked about other properties, like how it's easy to microwave um, that base, that the outer base doesn't, it, 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 there's a double wall that's created. So that outer base stays cooler than the inner base when you reheat food in the microwave. So that, that was another feature that we could, um, help people to prepare their food in advance, um, have leftovers, reheat their leftovers without burning their fingers, cook food immediately in their um, in the glass in the oven. Um, so we just started to basically, we used what we've had and we just sort of marketed some of the other features, which are features that people love, but it's not generally the, the focus when we talk about Retubs being a reusable takeaway food container. And what we found was that a lot of companies were happy to support their um, staff during that time to get a retub. Um, and then as they've slowly returned to the office, the marketing has changed again because now the focus is on actually um, keeping your retub when you're at work so that you're not sharing crockery. And that's helping some businesses um, with making sure that their workplaces are, are really hygienic because they've got COVID plans, return to work plans that they need to make sure that they're they're looking at all these um, hygiene risks in the office. So 
again, the, the marketing, it, the product is the same product, but it's, we sort of pivoted our marketing and what the focus, what features we're going to focus on um, in order to, to change with, um, you know, the, the huge change that was COVID. There was, during COVID, uh, there was actually a shift away during the first lockdowns. But, um, we're, we're based in Melbourne, so we, we had really extensive lockdowns. But the first round of lockdowns, there was generally a shift away from reusables while people were still trying to understand, you know, the virus and how it was spread and whether it was something that you had to be fearful of when it came to reusable products, but reusable cafe products. And of course, um, scientists from around the globe came out in support of reusables. So we started seeing a lot of cafes um, accepting reusables and really enjoying that there was the ability to swap either the entire container or the inner container um, as part of their way of balancing hygiene within their own cafes. So that was that was another really interesting thing that came out of um, out of COVID as well, just how people um, started to use that container exchange program in different ways and sometimes in multiple different ways depending on how they how each staff member wanted to deal with it. So someone on a morning shift might deal with it differently to someone on in the afternoon and the cafes wanted to support their staff as well as their customers. Yeah, so it was a really interesting time and um, pivoting um, during such an interesting time was mostly for us it was just about communicating different features and communi communicating how the product could be used in different ways mm. yeah it's fascinating that um obviously the design is so good that whilst you had in mind a specific problem to solve early on as the product evolved there were so many other benefits that um, made it applicable in, in a variety of situations such as you know warming up food in the microwave and still being able to grab the outer container um, without yeah. burning your fingers or um, you know, freezing. I think they they can um, go in the freezer as well without yeah. an issue. So yep. lots of different things. And, and I like that you said, well, you know, we've refocused the marketing message to highlight some of the other applications. So yes, the primary intent was as a reusable takeaway container, but there's a whole lot more you can do with it. Yeah, and and the beauty is once people have it, then it's there to use as a reusable mm. takeaway food container when they're ready. But the fact that we had built in all these things, all these things were done with takeaway in mind, I should note, that the internal measurement lines were about making sure that when a cafe is, you know, charging you $10 yeah. for yeah. the the medium curry of the day um, that you know and they know that they've given you the same volume as their, you know, their single-use container would hold as well. So that was something that we we built into the design, not thinking that people were thinking about portion control as such, mm. but it was more about making sure that cafes and consumers had confidence that, um, you know, volume can look can be deceptive. Certain containers can look like they hold less, but they actually hold more. Anyone who's had a cocktail knows that as well. <laughs> um, cocktail glasses can also be um, deceptive, but you know, it's uh, it, so all these things, all the aspects, the reheating in the microwave was because, um, you know, a lot of people in business meetings um, will get called into a meeting after they've bought their um, 
their lunch and they don't get an opportunity to eat their lunch while it's hot. So it was that was designed with that takeaway in mind mm. that so often people need to, you know, zap it and, and just reheat it after they've had a, a impromptu meeting. But yeah, as you said, that all these features um, happen to be really helpful to be able to pivot our messaging and our, our marketing. And these are things that um, make it more attractive in general, but you don't necessarily get the opportunity to focus on those features um, without confusing people if you're only talking about takeaway. So it was actually a real opportunity to show off other features and really highlight those and bring those to the forefront um, for a while as well. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Um, all right. Well, I mean, we could go on talking retub for ages and, and all the different things, but I, I'm sort of really keen to bring out the how you went from the idea to um, developing the product and then working with all the stakeholders as you described and getting it off the ground and also the the pivoting you know, the uh, fascinating how you you know you were really clear hey all these benefits can help with other situations so take the product and put it in a different environment so the covid environment now where people perhaps are not going out to the takeaway restaurants as much although there's still a lot of takeaway going on but in a yeah. context but there's all these other benefits that are valuable in in different environments so i love that you've pivoted the marketing and and um, the message and and the focus of the message keeping the focus really clear to match what people are looking for at the time yeah yeah it's been it's been quite a ride um COVID, <laughs> and it's actually been I think for businesses, um, it, it's probably given a lot of businesses an opportunity to sort of step back and observe, and you don't often get that opportunity in business. And um, it, I, I think there are some really fantastic aspects that um, that COVID, obviously it was a really tough time for a lot of businesses and, and reusables were actually, it, you know, it was a really tough time for reusables there um, prior to the the scientists um, coming out in support of reusables. But it really was an opportunity as well to look at it and to look at different ways. And these are these changes to our marketing, these are things that we'll take with us and we'll continue to, to spruik these features um, knowing that these are things that people love as well. So, you know, so there were a lot of really big positives to come out of um, a challenge like COVID. Hmm. All right. Well, thanks, Veronica. I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round, and it's designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips yeah. from your experience. So I've got five questions and hopefully your answers will inspire the listeners to go and do something awesome today as a result. Fantastic. So what do you think the number one thing is that anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Uh, I think the, the number one thing is to look at the problems that are in your life. So, um, you know, the best innovation is about solving a real problem, um, not looking for something that's too obscure but if you can look at to your own life to identify something that needs needs a solution then you're on a good track because chances are if, if it's a problem for you it's a problem for others 
And then that's the next point of inquiry. You know, is this something that is unique to me or is this something that I can see that other people um, need solved as well? So I think it's about, um, yeah, keeping it as close to an actual problem. Um, a lot of people go off on tangents that aren't solving, a, a, you know, a, an issue. Um, mm. So that is my number one, my number one suggestion. Make sure it's a, a problem that's close to home and then test it amongst others that you know to see mm. if it's a problem they share. Yeah, I love it. Um, and one of the things I always ask myself um, when I strike a problem and I'm looking for a solution on the internet, I thought surely somebody else has had this problem as well. And I've mm. got to come to realize now, um, you know, if I don't find a solution that I'm looking for or a solution that I'm happy with, that um, I'm quite happy to go out and try and figure out a solution and develop something. But then what I've come to realize is I've got to ask that question again and say, well, surely other people have had this problem too. And can I solve it for them too? Which is essentially what you've done with Retub, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great. Well, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, the the absolute best thing is to talk um, to people, share my ideas and thoughts, and really listen, 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 listen. Um, people don't necessarily have to support the idea that you've come up with, but when if you can get them to talk about why they don't like the idea, um, you can identify so many things that you can do. So, for example, when I spoke to the cafes about why they wouldn't take my beaten up, um, you know, old plastic container, I learnt that they had those regulations that their requirements were to ensure that they were putting their food into something clean. That that was that was coming out of them rejecting my, my then solution for them. Mm. Um, but through listening to what their real problem was, I could then tweak the design and work out, okay, so what they're actually saying is they don't they can't they can't accept this, but what they could accept is something that looks a little bit different or operates a bit differently. So, you know, talking to people and making sure you're really listening and you're hearing their real issues, not just what they're not not just that they maybe don't support it or that they don't like it or even that they do like it. Um, listen to the underlying things that people are saying because that, that's often where the gold is. Mm. Yeah, I think the listening part is, is really important there and, and detaching a little bit from your ego because um, sometimes like your first solution wasn't something you developed, it was just something you, you thought, okay, this will do the job. Um, but when you got to the point of, okay, I've designed something and I've developed something, um, then then you're kind of attached to that and there's an ego bit involved. And if somebody says, mm. no, nah, that's, that's no good, just still missing these bits and pieces, then you've got to be prepared to take that feedback on board, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that a lot of people when they come up with something that's a little bit different or that they haven't seen anything like it on the market um they can make the mistake um of not talking to people because they want to be cagey and they want to hold on to this idea and this concept and i think that that's where it, it's a missed opportunity to learn and and to keep improving on something um i think you know the reality is not I think as a proportion of society, there aren't that many people who will actively go and 
actually create something. So you're you're a fairly good chance of going away and talking to people and they won't copy it, um, but they will give you some really interesting feedback um, that can just help you to improve um, on that solution again and again. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. Okay, and uh, do you have a favourite resource that you use most often? No, um, I don't actually. The, my my favourite thing really, the, the favourite resource, if you can even call it that, is actually um, just uh, friends, family, colleagues. It, it is that thing about going back and talking to people and prototyping as much as you can based on feedback but there's no specific resource or tool that um, that I use. I think, yeah, creativity is, is something that I, I think it will come out in so many different ways. But, yeah, talking about it, showing people prototypes and getting feedback is the, mm. the resource um, that I would use. Yeah, um, if, yeah lots if, of, if I may. Lots of conversations and listening, like you said yes. earlier. A lot of listening, yeah. Mm. And not letting ego make it so that you're just telling people, really listening and getting that feedback. Because um, I think we can all fall into the trap of thinking, "Oh, nailed it! I've got that! I've got this neat, beautiful solution." And you want to tell everyone how it works and how it's going to help them. But uh, particularly in the early days, you really have to listen. That's hmm. it, yeah. All right. Now, <laughs> what's what's the best way to keep a project like this on track? Um, for us, we, um, I, I guess we knew what the, the problem was. We reached out for, um, assistance to get the ideas, um, sort of settled and, um, and get an idea of what the solution needed to look like. For us, getting it on track was really about giving ourselves some timeframes that we wanted to work towards and, and just constantly checking in. Um, so it was just making sure that, um, you know, in any business, they say that you want to fail fast. Um, and I do think that that's actually, um, that, that's a reality of business that if, um, if, a, if a product or an idea is not going to work either at all or in that current state, you want to get that feedback as quickly as you can. Um, and so for us, it's really about keeping um, timeframes and checking in and having goals that you're working towards and constantly um, making sure that you're doing things as quickly as possible. Um, and failing is a bit of a misnomer because, um, you know, sometimes it is about putting something in front of a cafe and getting that feedback. And that doesn't mean it's the end of the story. It's just that feedback that you then go, okay, that's not the, the track that we want to be on. We want to shift it up and then you keep moving quite quickly. But, um, yeah, that would be timeframes and um, and quick actions, forcing yourself to, to work mm. as quickly as possible is is what I would suggest. Yeah, that's that's great, you know, timeframes and regular check-ins. And I particularly like the idea of, um, you know, uh, failing quickly but treating failure as feedback. My business coach always reminds me that there's no such thing as failure it's all feedback mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah i think we almost need to get rid of the word or um, find a different <laughs> word <Yeah. laughs> mm. all right now what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves um i think that you look at um uh, look at your competitors um and or 
or places that could be competing. Maybe they're not quite in your niche, but they're doing something similar. Um, and not look to them so that you can work out um, necessarily what they're doing right. I know a lot of people do do that, but I think look to your competitors to see what it is that when you look at their product or their service, what you wish they were offering, um, what they haven't haven't quite nailed, um, because that is how you want to differentiate. That's that's the sweet spot. That's what you want to focus um, your attention on. Um, for us, we didn't have any competitors when we came out. We, we were the first in our um, niche, and um, we looked to other products um, that were similar, so other reusable sorts of products, and looked at the the problems that we had, or and as well as the things that we loved. Um, and um, that really helped to sort of um, guide us. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And somebody said to me once that um, a really good source of inspiration along those lines is uh, check out product reviews of, of your competitors and look at yeah. the negative reviews where people have said, yeah. you know, that this, this is good, this is good, we like this, but this is no good or missing that. or, yeah, I yeah, wish we had that. And yep. that's that's a kind of potential source of stuff there and say, well, if we can deliver all of that stuff as well as do the rest of it um, equally well or better, then, then we've got something different and better. Absolutely. Yep. Mm. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Well, thanks, Veronica. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about Retub and maybe uh, get in touch with you to say thanks for what you've shared with us today? Yeah, um, absolutely. I, look, Instagram is probably um, our favourite um, social media channel um, and we've always got someone um, on that will be able to sort of answer any DMs. So if you've got any questions, um, have a look at us at Retub Official on Instagram and, um, you know, and we'd love people um, asking us questions. We're also um, really interested in building a community of um, people who are sustainability conscious. Um, so we've also got um, other forums. So um, on our on Facebook, we've got um, pages, we've got community pages that are linked to our um, our Facebook page as well. So we're we're happy to sort of engage on every level um, when it comes to sustainability, um, and that's the easiest way to to reach us: Instagram, otherwise the Facebook groups. All right, we'll post links to those in the show notes so people can access them real quickly, yeah. Now, do you have some parting advice for our listener today, Veronica? Um, you know, I think um, my, my parting advice is probably something that I've, I've already said, but when it comes to innovation, I really think that people um, just need to focus on the problems and the bugbears that they've got in their own lives and then talk about it um, and talk about it with friends, family, colleagues, um, as many people as possible and without ego, be there to listen and to um, pick up on all the issues people have, have a look at your competitors um, and read up on those reviews, as you said, to see what um, what other people wish were part of that, that solution. Um, and that should really help guide um, innovation that's also um, going to be at the sound business model as well. Mm, mm, that's great. And there's a theme 
theme throughout that. I was looking back to, I kind of have this page layout where I write some things down on the left and then some things on the right. And I was going back, I've got to add feedback to the left-hand side because that keeps coming up. And then I realized I'd already written it down there. So this idea of getting feedback and listening to people is, is an ongoing theme right throughout. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, great, Veronica. Now, finally, who else should I get on this show and why? Uh, so many people. Um, I think, you know, the, the pivoting and the, the creation that came from um, pivoting and doing business in different ways um, is something that's really inspiring for all of us business owners. Um, and so I would recommend Danielle Goodwin from Hawkeye Vintage which does um, vintage, beautiful vintage um, clothing, but they sell things in quite a different way um, and they got really creative over COVID. So uh, my recommendation would be Danielle. Okay, well, we'll reach out to Danielle, get an intro from you and reach out to her and see if we can bring her on the show to have a chat around that. Sounds great. Fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us today. Veronica, I've really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed digging into how Retub was developed, how it came about, all your process of getting feedback and, and refining the product with that feedback and also the pivots that you did around COVID and the impact that it had on, on the cafes in particular that were sort of key stakeholders in, in the whole business model that you've developed. So thanks so much for all of that. A, a really inspiring story and I really enjoyed it. Well, I wish you all so the much. best for the future and, yeah, let's stay in touch. Thank you. Yeah, please do. It's, um, it's been really fun. So, yeah, thank you for having me and um, absolutely I'd love to stay in touch. I hope you enjoyed that wonderfully informative conversation with Veronica and took something away from what she shared with us today. I love how Veronica took an idea, shared the concept with friends and family, then tested with cafe owners, the people who were the key stakeholders in her product, to refine and adapt the product to what it is today. I'm curious to know what you took away from Veronica's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Veronica Shannon. That is V-E-R-O-N-I-C-A-S-H-A-N-N-O-N. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Veronica Shannon. You'll also find contact information for getting in touch with Veronica there as well as links to the Retub website, to Veronica's social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you got value from this episode, then don't keep it to yourself. Share it with at least two other people that it will help. Tag me in on that share and I'm going to reach out to you with a special surprise thank you gift. Veronica suggested that we have a conversation with Danielle Goodwin, founder and owner of Hawkeye Vintage on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Danielle, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast. 
courtesy of Veronica Shannon. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including play and game consultant Elia Sandovar and Oleg Lohid of Overcoming Odds. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.